0: Welcome to the Growing Food and Feeding People podcast. Whether you're a backyard gardener, a market gardener, or a small scale farmer just starting out or a seasoned grower, this show is for you. Join us as we share tips and tricks, tactics and hacks to growing food for yourself, your family, and your community, as well as sharing stories here from the field and other growers and farmers making a difference in their local food webs. My name is Cody, and I will be your host. So let's get growing. Alright, welcome back to the Growing Food and Feeding People podcast. Happy Friday, y'all. Today we are going to jump right into our very next episode in our companion planting series. And today we're going to talk about a topic that many gardeners may actually overlook, and that is trap crops. Now I know I've talked about companion planting helping with pests and disease, but these are actually specific crops that lure the pests away from your plants kind of look at it as some plants are guardian plants, meaning they'll repel the pests, and some crops are trap crops, meaning they will lure them in away from your crop. Both are fantastic ways to use companion planting to deal with the issue of pests. But today I'm gonna go about it a little bit differently. I am gonna give you the top five trap crops that you can use in your garden for companion planting, but I actually wanna share a little story with you about how I actually figured out about trap crops. Because it actually wasn't from podcast, it was out of need and necessity. I'm gonna share a little story about my personal battle with hornworms and yes, the dreaded potato beetles, which you guys know I've done a whole video on if you're following me on YouTube. And they can be a bugger to battle with, for sure. So today we are gonna talk about what trap crops are, how they work, and which ones you should consider planting in your garden. Now picture this. This was my first year running the market garden, so I wasn't just having a little family garden anymore, this was was taking it to the next level. And it was the height of summer, and I'll be darned if the garden wasn't in full swing. To be quite honest with you, I was feeling kind of proud of myself because I'd never grown anything quite to that extent. And my tomato plants were tall and lush, heavy with bright red fruit. I'd never grown cherry tomatoes 10 foot tall before, You know, so I really got a kick out of every morning going out to the Little Hoop. That's where I had my tomatoes trellised up the first year. And I would take my coffee out there, do my morning walk through, and quite honestly admire (laughs) admire my accomplishments, right? (laughs) It is, like I said, the height of summer. The garden is full on popping. But as I was taking my morning walk, I thought I may even pick a couple that morning. And harvest was really starting to get into full swing. But as I went to pick one, I noticed something strange. The leaves had been stripped bare in certain areas, and I mean clean bare, right? And I'd never, obviously I'd never encountered this before. And not only were they bare, there were these large, and I'm talking, you know, the size of your thumb, large, green worms all over the plant. And these weren't just your regular worms, y'all. These things have a freaking horn-looking thing coming out of their forehead. So, So what I quickly discovered was those were the dreaded tomato hornworms. And they are a common pest that will decimate your tomato plants if left unchecked. So I knew I had a big problem that had to be dealt with quickly. Now, I tried everything I could to get rid of the hornworms and obviously spraying them with insecticides isn't even an option here on our farm. So what that really meant was I had to go out and try to hand pick every single one of them off the plants. And the worst part is, you'd pick all of them that you could see one day, you'd go out and find more leaves stripped right bare with more worms. Now, I was able to salvage what I had, still get a good harvest off by quite literally recruiting help and hand picking those things off every single day, twice a day, for three, four days in a row, to make sure we got all of them, and uh, that's no fun, <laughs> especially not when you're trying to run a market garden for your first year. You know, a bunch of it's tied up in your tomato crops because they're because they're obviously one that everybody wants, and uh, I knew that that was that could cause a big issue, and uh, so I went right to research what the heck else would work you know and that's one of the things that really drew me to companion planting because i discovered trap crops now obviously it was a little too late for season one but i was able to implement the strategy into season two and it worked like a charm and what you do is i planted some marigolds and dill around the edge of my tomato beds my block and waited to see what happened and you know what (laughs) it freaking worked. The tomato worms were much more attracted to the marigolds and the dill than they were my tomato plants. Soon they abandoned my crop in favor of the trap crops and they worked exactly like they were supposed to. <laughs> kind of like a top water bait to largemouth bass. <laughs> they just couldn't resist it, you know. So, but it wasn't just the hornworms that were causing trouble. And another one that I've run into in a couple different scenarios is the Colorado potato beetle. Man, those things can be Create a serious infestation in no time and those quickly became a headache as well and of course I tried everything available with those things you know I've tried the whole diatomaceous earth I tried shaking all of the beetles into the buckets I got a lot of them off that way but again much like the hornworms you'd you'd get all of them that you can see and then the next day you'd go out and there would be more I knew I had a serious problem there as well potatoes from an income standpoint isn't a high earner So it wasn't nearly the financial stressor that the tomatoes were. If I lost a complete crop of tomatoes, that would would definitely hurt the farm's bottom line a lot more than losing my potatoes. But nonetheless, we still wanted potatoes. My customers still wanted potatoes. So I really had to figure out a good way so this didn't keep happening year after year after year. So again, because it worked so well with tomatoes, I thought I would try the trap crops. And this time planting some radishes and nasturtiums nearby. Once again, it really worked like a charm. The potato beetles were much more interested in the radishes and the nasturtiums than they were in my potato plants. And I was able to harvest pretty good crop potatoes without any further damage like the years prior. So what exactly are trap crops? Like I said earlier, trap crops are plants that are specifically grown to attract pests away from your main crop. Pests are often drawn to certain plants and trap crops can take advantage of this by providing as a decoy. This idea is that the pests will prefer the trap crop, leaving your vegetables alone. See the trap crops actually work by luring the pests away from your main crop. Once the pests are attracted to the trap crop, they will either feed on it or they'll lay their eggs on it rather than your veggies. Now this reduces the number of pests that attack your main crop, keeping it healthy and free from damage. Now you do want to make sure that you check your trap crops regularly to make sure they're actually doing their job and attracting the pests away from yours and onto them. Ideally, you want to plant your trap crop 10 to 15 feet away from the crop that you're trying to protect. That way it's close enough to attract the pests but far enough away that they can't just jump onto your plant once they get done with that one. And ideally, if you're checking them and they're loaded up, you can take care of those bugs when they're all concentrated on one plant. Now exactly which crops can and should be used as trap crops. Now there are many plants that can be used as trap crops, but here are five of the most effective. And I know that I've talked about these plants in other combinations for companion planting, but I wanted to separate out a small list of exactly which plants you could plant specifically to use as trap crops, and these work fantastic. So the first one would be your nasturtiums. Nasturtiums are great for attracting aphids, white flies, and caterpillars away from your vegetables. The second one would be radishes. Radishes can attract flea beetles, which can be a major pest for your brassica crops, as well as attracting the Colorado potato beetle, which we know are a major headache for the potatoes. And the reality is, is those potato beetles will also attack the other brassicas as well as your tomato plants. Radishes are fantastic for that. The third one on the list would be sunflowers. Now sunflowers, they're attractive to many pests, including your aphids, leafhoppers, and cucumber beetles. So they're a great one to plant around your cucumbers. The fourth one on the list is dill. Dill, like I mentioned earlier, can attract your tomato hornworms away from your tomato plants. Now the fifth one on the list is borage. Borage can attract a wide range of pests, including tomato hornworms, cabbage worms, and squash bugs. Trap crops can be a powerful tool in any gardener's arsenal. And one of my favorite strategies in companion planting. Now, by planting them strategically around your garden, you can attract pests away from your main crops and keep them healthy and productive. Now, one of the benefits of using trap crops is that they actually can help reduce the need for pesticides, right, or in our case, just eliminate. I mean, we won't use the pesticides, so they're kind of our only option. Instead of relying on chemicals and sprays to keep pests at bay, You guys can use nature's own defenses to protect your garden. It's just a matter of learning what to use and how to use them. Now, in addition to being effective, trap crops can also add a beautiful pop of color to your garden beds. Nasturtiums, for example, are not only great at attracting pests, but they also produce beautiful edible flowers that can be used in salads and other dishes. And that's another topic we will touch on in another episode is companion planting with flowers. And a big part of that is edible flowers. Um, I'm a huge believer in multiple uses. Flowers can be that triple threat deal as well, right? They are absolutely beautiful. Add a pop of color to your garden. They can help you deal with the pests. Then you can also eat them. (laughs) It doesn't get much better than that. So when choosing which trap crops to plant, it's important to consider the pests that are most common in your area. For example, if you're dealing with a lot of flea beetles, you may want to try planting some radishes around your brassica crops. Or if you're battling tomato hornworms, dill might be a great option. To get the most out of your trap crops, it's important to plant them at the right time. right? You want to make sure that they're mature enough to attract the pest, but not so mature that they start to go into seed. You don't want your trap crops or cover crops to go to seed, and then you've got a whole other issue to deal with. But you do want them to be mature and and attractive when the pests are out. See, that was my biggest problem the first year, is I didn't have was already there in place. I didn't have them ready. They weren't already growing. So I didn't have them as an option. And That's why I diligently tried to figure out an option for the next season and the seasons going forward. So you definitely want to make sure that you plant them at the right time so you can get the most out of your trap crops. You also want to make sure you're planting them in the right location. Like I said earlier, close enough to your main crop to be effective, but far enough away that the pests won't move on to your vegetables once they're done with the trap crop. Um, Like I said, 10 to 15 feet is optimal. If you need to plant them a little bit closer than that, you can. So if you guys are struggling with pests in your garden, I highly recommend giving trap crops a try. Not only are they an effective way to control the pests, but they can also add a beautiful touch to your garden beds. Like I said, in my opinion, one of the best strategies for companion planting. Well guys, this week has been a crazy week here on the farm weather-wise. I think in the last 10 days we've had 80 degree temperatures, we've had... 30 degree temperatures with snow for two days and now we're back into the 50s huge storm just went through last night so i think it's going to be a great day to hopefully get out get some more garden prep done got a lot of seeds started inside now so getting pretty antsy getting ready to get out there and really get the season in full swing i am out there every day that the weather is decent the ground isn't frozen or it's not storming on us but that's been few and far between here in the last couple weeks so that's michigan that's zone 5b I've lived here my whole life, so it's not that I don't expect it. It's just an interesting ride every year that it happens. <laughs> but for the new gardeners out there, this can be a terrible time because I actually, obviously on social media, I see a lot of people already planting their stuff out because it was 70, even up to 80 for, gosh, a good week and a half. You know, So it had a lot of people fooled um, into thinking that winter was over and spring was here, but like I said, this is Michigan. Our last frost date isn't even until... Oh, right around May 15th, I want to say, um, depending on what, what, exactly what part of the state you're in. And I don't personally put any of my warm-weather crops out, like my tomatoes or my cucumbers or my melons, until June 1st, here where I'm at. It's real easy to see everybody else down south where it's just a little bit warmer, where things are starting to get into full swing. But that is part of the game, so you really want to know your growing zone. And what you need to do for your specific crops. So I hope you guys are enjoying and getting some value out of this companion planting series. I really am enjoying bringing it to you. There's still a lot to cover. I believe it's one of the most impactful strategies when in gardening, in market gardening. I know that for our farm, companion planting has been one of those things that has helped, definitely helped take us to the next level when it comes to production and battling the pests and disease. So hope you guys are enjoying it. Looking forward to the next one. As always, I appreciate you listening. If you haven't yet, Make sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening to it. We have officially launched Project Feed Your Neighbor. And if this is your first year growing a garden, or maybe your first or second year running a market garden, and you're feeling just a little overwhelmed or could use a few more tips, I am offering a free 20-minute one-on-one Zoom call where we can chat about what you've got going on, what your goals are, what your crop plan is, and any struggles you might be having that I can help with. There will be a link down in the show notes if you're listening to this on the podcast networks or down in the description if you're listening to this on YouTube. And I've set aside about 10 hours a week specifically to help you guys with those free 20-minute one-on-ones. Please do not hesitate to click that link, schedule some time with me, and we'll get your season off on the right foot. So until Monday, you guys have a great weekend. Make somebody smile. We'll talk to you on the next one.